Welcome to Pop On Leadership, a conversation between two friends who are obsessed with leadership development and helping people navigate their careers within organizations and also obsessed with pop culture. I'm Virginia Martinez. And my name's Kara Kirby. Together we have over 20 years of working inside of organizations and now we both work outside with companies all over the world helping them drive their people first practices. This first season of Pop On Leadership is dedicated to a show called Ted Lasso. We're going to walk through the first 10 episodes unpacking all the leadership lessons along the way. So let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody. We are going to be getting into episode nine of Ted Lasso. And in this episode, so where we left off in the previous episode was that Keely found out about Rebecca's plans to sabotage Ted. So she found the fo- the photographs that Rebecca had planted inside of the newspaper that showed her and Ted together. We saw that, I think, in episode two. And she's putting all the pieces together. And she is so disappointed in Rebecca. So that scene where she goes and tells her is so amazing, where she's like, listen, I do not want to change the way that I think about you. You need to fix this. And so this episode comes in and we see Rebecca having an apology tour. So she has to tell Ted what she did and she's formed this relationship with him. They've gone through so much stuff and, and this, and and, and it's her tidying up her mess. So we're going to, we're going to talk about this, about the things that Rebecca does. And I think have an important conversation about if you mess up, it is okay. Mm -hmm. If we are being in charge of the impact we have in the world, you don't have to be perfect. It's, it's, how do you apologize and how do you tidy up your mess? Yeah. Um, one thing that just to call out why I think Keely's character is so amazing. It's so easy to write her off as this like flighty, ditzy, cute. She is so deep. She has so much integrity. She has such a big heart. So and smart. I, so smart and really holds strong to her integrity and is now... Like and and believes Rebecca is more than this act, and is holding mm-hmm. her to that. Yeah, I. The other thing that I love about Keely is that I, I, besides Ted, right? Keely is a very egoless character. So she's always in this state where she's observing things around her and trying to improve. So we saw that in the episode where you know she starts taking accountability for herself and her own actions, right? And it. And we just see this growth in her and she's able to grow because she's not so dead. She doesn't have that Jamie Tart Roy kit. She's not so dead set on the person that she is. She is egoless. So she's always in the state of I'm improving, I'm learning, I'm growing, and that's okay. And what a, what, I, that is what I aspire to be, right? Like, I want to be like Keely. I want to look at the world and say that, like, I'm always learning and growing. And I think that she's she's just a role model of the show. Speaking of Roy, the other big part of, like, the backdrop of this episode, too, is, like, look, the whole season has been between like the whole Jamie and and Roy tension is that Roy is a lot older. He's lived his best. He's played his best years and maybe they're behind him. And, and as much as he is well-respected, you know, he's not playing at the same level he once used to. And, and while it was kind of funny when 
Jamie and Roy would get after it over like grandpa jokes. It's really impacting the team. So this is another thing, big thing that's happening in this episode where Nate and Beard think it's time to bench Roy. And this is pretty controversial. And Ted is like, nope, because he kind of wants Roy to get there on his own, which is great. However, this this question is put to Ted in so many words. It's like, listen, like you've got to there. Are, you are the leader. You've got to lead. You're going to have to make some tough decisions. So it's really interesting as well to think about um the role of a leader, what does it mean? And sometimes you like, I mean, related to accountability, like taking responsibility and accountability for the the tough decisions, even when you know they're going to upset someone. I love this scene where Ted goes, guys, I value your opinions, even when they're wrong. I just want everybody to know that it's such a funny scene, <laughs> right? He's like, listen, I'm giving you psychological safety. I hear you. I value you, but you're wrong. And I have a different perspective, actually, what he's doing yeah. with Roy. I think that Ted has fallen into this trap, right? So, mm. um, and one of the things that I teach is this, this program called Actualized Leadership. And so one of the personality types is being an affirmer. And the shadow side of an affirmer leadership style is that you are scared of rejection. So we see this in Ted where he wants to make friends with everyone else around him. The relationships and the growth of the team are more important than the performance, right? There's a lot of really beautiful things with that, but there's also a shadow side. And so what we talk about in that program is that if you don't manage your shadow, it will manage you. And this is what we're seeing in this situation because I think that Ted is so attached to the fact that he has formed this relationship with Roy that he that he's afraid he's going to get rejected if he goes against him. So he loves Oh, Roy. absolutely. Yeah, he loves Roy and he's like he's like I'm almost there with him. I almost have this connection. If I go and betray his trust right now, he's never going to forgive me and then he's going to end up rejecting me. So Ted is operating out of his the shadow that is in his in his mind of saying I don't want this person to reject me. So I'm making the bad decision as a leader. Well, you know, what is is so interesting is you often see people in very high positions who don't want to be seen as the bad guy and Mm -hmm. essentially act the way you're describing this, right? Like, ooh, like, what happens is even like, what I see play out is like, indecisions are still decisions. When you choose not to address a situation, you are making still making a choice. And that's kind of what's happening here. Like, Ted doesn't want to be put on the spot to make that decision, but the indecision is essentially a choice, a signal to his the rest of the coaching team, a signal to the rest of his team. And there was a moment, like I don't think I have the exact quote, but where Beard calls him out for being selfish. Yeah. He does. And uh, so so this is an interesting question to address here with this situation is what do you do when your boss is making the wrong decisions? How do you manage up? How do you how do you how do you wade those waters? Right. It's I think it's one of the hardest things you have to figure out inside of inside of organizations. So what do you do? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so what we see in the show, and I've got some interesting things. I've got a story on this. I'd love to hear if you have a story on this as well, because your environment was so collaborative. I bet this happened a lot. 
Um, so what we see in the show is that that Beard and Nate, they join together and they, they're a force against the boss, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, you're making the wrong decision. We're not going to let this go. And I think that that actually is a strategy of, of, of standing firm in your beliefs, right? Because so often in, when we're in organizations, we think that the ultimate decision-making power is in that leader or in our manager. So we might back down. But if, but if you know that they're not seeing the full picture, I think it's okay to stand your ground. And I've definitely done this before. We had, when I was in sales, we had a leader that was really, oh my God, he was, he just didn't, he was just making some really bad decisions. He's being really passive aggressive, like sending out, sending out like sales results and only congratulating like the two people that had made their number, but like sending it out to the entire team. Like he would do that like every Friday, right? It was so passive aggressive, but he just, he wasn't skilled enough to understand the emotional effects he was having on the team. He thought he was being motivational because he didn't understand people. So we actually had to get together like as a team and have an intervention with him and be like, listen, this isn't going to work. Like you can't, you can't keep doing this. And, and I, I, I think sometimes you have to stand your ground and remember that that person that is leading you is still just a human. They are fallible. They might not, they might not be a perfect leader and that's okay. You all have to be learning together. Yeah. What about you? Have what? What would you do? This is a hard question. Like, what do you do when you know your leader is making bad decisions? I think you have to appeal to what's really important to them, even if it's not what's important to you. But because usually the disconnect and the tension is the fact that like they're prioritizing things you're not prioritizing. In this case, Ted is prioritizing his relationship or reputation or feelings or what have you or the feelings of Roy over the team winning, <laughs> which is a big freaking deal. Um but if you to appeal to a leader to get them to hear you first, you have to make it clear that you know their objectives and goals. So you don't have to say, like, I know you're scared of rejection, you know, like, but you can say, like, I know you care about the team and I know you care about winning. Right. They're not going to argue with that. I know that it's your priority to X, Y, Z. Here's what we've observed is like the trade-offs of what's happening. It's going to be tough, but when you prioritize this, this is what gets dropped off. And if you can present it as like, let them come to the decision based on the fact that they like know you see their objectives and goals, so they get it. They get that you get it and that you've laid out the trade-offs hopefully then they understand the decision to be made right i mean not only i mean if there's a whole lot of ego at play then to you know you're just kind of out of luck but you're you're helping them figure out sort of the strategy behind problem solving to some extent and i think i think that in from if you are the leader's perspective like check yourself right like yeah. you do not have to make perfect decisions. I mean, just, I mean, I think this episode is all about just, just being accountable. Like if you make a wrong decision, that's also okay. Right. Like we see yeah. that in Ted, he makes a wrong decision, but he changes his mind. He changes his approach. And 
that is totally okay to do. It is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of awareness and actually a sign of strength. Yeah. And if you're on the flip side of that, where you're like trying to get someone to change their mind, which is easier said than done, there's there's often like three reactions to any form of change or being asked to change. It's like, I don't get it. I don't like it or I don't trust it. And I don't get it means it's not it's like it's not clicking for them. So there has to be another way to communicate it or describe it. Maybe it's like too technical or too lofty or too abstract. So figure out why they can't get it. The next one, like, I don't like it means it's tapping into some sort of emotion. Like, it makes me scared. I feel like Roy might not like me. Like, it makes me nervous. So like, you're going to have to solve for the emotion behind not liking it. And I don't trust it is often because like, I feel I know better than you. And the credibility you're bringing to this solution is not the same that I have. So therefore, I don't trust it. So figuring out how to amp up your credibility through whether it's facts and data or anecdotes or what have you to support your your thesis for change. I love that. What a great applicable way of looking at what you're doing. I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't trust it. Um, just from like a very nerdy standpoint, if anyone is ever like looking for information on something like that too, there is this whole program out there called adaptive leadership. It gives you like a lot of models and a lot of theories behind like looking at changes a different way and like trying to figure out like, is this a tactical problem? And I think that that goes back to what you're saying, right? I don't get it. That's a tactical problem versus I don't like it or I don't trust it. That is a interpersonal um, something in our mind is attached to it. It's stickier and you have to have different strategies to help people through that, whether you're the leader helping someone through change or if you're trying to help a leader change. Yeah. Okay. Let's move in to talking about accountability. So we see Rebecca, which is such a funny tie-in. So Keely holds her to the fire, right? She's putting, she is holding her to the fire of like, you have to tell Ted because I don't want to think differently about you. Like what a strong statement to tell somebody, right? And so Rebecca has to apologize to Ted and I, I, it is the most vulnerable moment that we see out of Rebecca thus far. She is fumbling over her words. She is so scared that he is just going to hate her forever. Um, but she does it. And she, she, does it. She, she apologizes. And Ted is just, I mean, of course, has the most graceful response. And, and he has this quote, if he says, oh, it's so beautiful. If you care about someone and you have love in your heart, there's nothing you can't get through, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, how more And Rebecca's like, wait, are you talking about us? <laughs> <laughs> right, like, um, it's, yeah, it's it's a beautiful moment. And yeah, and Ted's just like, I, I forgive you. I forgive you. Divorce is hard. Like, it makes us act in crazy ways. And yeah, it's it's just a really amazing moment. And I think that whenever we're talking about accountability and sometimes we get in our heads so much when we need to apologize of something that we didn't do correctly it we we put it off for so long because we think the other person is just going to think we're a disgusting human being and and the maybe the design question to that is how might we change our mentality that the person might give us ted lasso sort of grace yeah 
you know, it's so interesting because related to accountability too, it's, and you know, Brene Brown, who we adore, but sort of how she talks about the relationship. We love you if you're listening. We love <laughs> Vulner- you. Vulnerability <laughs> and courage. Like to some extent, it takes a lot more courage to do what Rebecca did through those apologies to rather than just like, you know, like not apologize, right? But it's at the same time, courageous and extremely vulnerable like those two things can coexist um it's funny because i think both in keely's reaction and ted's they're they've seen enough of rebecca to know that this thing although bad although major is not the thing that defines her and i was really thinking about this because i often you know it's like oh actions speak louder than words uh trust someone if, if someone shows you who they are, trust them that actually in a way like there's there's been enough of Rebecca because there could be like, never mind, Rebecca, I know you're apologizing, but your actions speak louder than words. Like there could yeah. have been a moment like that. I, I just I've been thinking about they obviously see something else in Rebecca that allows them to forgive them. Like even that that beautiful Keeley quote that we keep coming back to is like, I don't want to see you differently, implying she sees her better than this. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Ted, who's like, I know that these actions weren't coming from like who you are, but sort of the moment you're in. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a, I think it's a beautiful, I, I struggle with this concept too, because so what I think we've talked about this before, but one of my favorite personality assessments is the Enneagram. And, um, and one of the reasons why I love it is because there's a spectrum of this is the personality, but like when this person isn't taking care of themselves, when they're run ragged, you're going to see these like really negative shadow sides of this personality come out. And the reason why I love the Enneagram is because it a al- I think it allows you to give grace to people and say like that person isn't bad. Like Rebecca is not bad. We, we grow up with this idea in our heads that you have like the good and the bad, but that's not how humans are. We have, we, we are a continuum, right? Like sometimes we're at our best and sometimes we're not. And like, but through the Enneagram, it's like, if you have this perspective that if somebody has bad behavior or they're doing things that aren't great, they might just not be taking care of themselves. Like, they are, might be in a low place. And so then how do you balance that with like, I don't want that person having a negative impact on my life, but I still want to love them and give them grace because they're not in a good place and it's making them behave incorrectly. Right. I don't know. It's complicated. It is complicated. I mean, it reminds me of when we watch these movies with my kids and they're always, they've kind of cut it out lately, but when they were younger, it was like, is this a good guy or a bad guy? Is this a good guy or a bad guy? Is it like, because they were so they wanted to it to be binary like they wanted a bucket mm-hmm. and under like for for the storyline and the plot and the dialogue to click they needed to know who the hero was and who the villain was and i don't know how many times i told them like y'all it's complex everyone's a little nuanced you can have good guys who have bad days you have good guys who make bad decisions you have good, you know you have bad guys that turn good I, and like of course <laughs> as a four-year-old they're like so is it a good guy or a bad guy you know but <laughs> But it does remind me of that. It's like, listen, you're gonna. It's like people are complex. It's nuanced. That doesn't mean I I do want to say like that doesn't mean that you have to always. It's important to be accountable. It's important to apologize. That does not mean. I think why it's so scary is 
there's no guarantee that the other person's going to forgive you. And so if you're that person that's receiving an apology in, in the in a work in a real life or work setting, we often talk about these work settings like if you're like I don't accept this for whatever reason because you can say like listen, I appreciate you apologizing. I know it took a lot of courage. I'm not in a place to accept it right now. Yeah. I think that's okay too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, all, it all depends. It all depends. Humans are weird. <laughs> I mean, it would have made for a really crappy episode if they didn't accept her apology, but... <laughs> They're like, no, Rebecca, we hate you. Goodbye. <laughs> like, oh, well, I guess there's no season two. You know, anyway. <laughs> but I, it is lovely. It's It's that she has... I think that's also probably reassuring for Rebecca. Like... Oh, they see goodness in me. Yeah. Right. Because she's been sort of self-loathing for a while. That the grace that Keely, Ted, and then Higgins offer her reminds her like, oh, I guess I'm not an awful person. Yeah, definitely. Okay. The last point of this episode before we we release all of our listeners um, that I think is really, really important is this identity struggle that Roy, we see Roy having at the end. And I see this everywhere, right? Like people getting so attached to their accomplishments and wrapping their identity up into their work that they don't, they don't, they don't have enough security or they don't have enough faith that who they are just as a person is is enough right like Mm -hmm. that feeling of being enough is yeah it's 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 a complicated feeling so we see at the we see in this episode that Roy needs to retire but he's telling Keely I've always started I don't know who I am if I am not a footballer and then she has this beautiful scene where she brings over his her his niece and Mm -hmm. she says you know, who is your uncle Roy? And she says, he's nice. And he buys me ice cream. And she, he, she doesn't mention that he's a footballer. And it's Keely's way of saying like, who you are is not your performance. It's not being a football player. It's you just being Roy Ken. It's you just being Roy. Yeah, this happens a lot. I mean, there's this, this notion of work devotion, where you wrap up your identity, your personal identity, and your professional identity, they become so intertwined that in moments where either you've outgrown the job, the job has outgrown you, it no longer serves you for whatever reason. You're, it just doesn't serve you physically or mentally in this case for Roy physically, right? It's the thought of leaving or stepping away is like an existential crisis. Yes. I see this. I, I mean, I've talked about this in some before, but also like I see this happen a lot with new parents, specifically moms. And how do they now introduce this whole new identity of mom after mm-hmm. they've like intertwined their personal identity has been intertwined with work for so long. And now they've got this third strand they have to braid in there. You know, it's, it's real. And, um, I, I just, I mean, what advice would you give someone to sort of say, like, how do you say, like, it's time I can, or like, be, beyond, like, I am enough beyond my job, but sort of, it's hard for people to leave. It's hard for people to step back. Yeah, it's it, changing your identity is one of the heart. And that's the same thing for whenever you become a new mom, your, your identity, who you are shifts as a person, right? Like you're no longer the fun person that goes out with your girlfriends. You're no, 
like sometimes you're no longer as skinny as you were right <laughs> like yeah, your yeah. <laughs> body changes your what you do with your time changes and and I think that it, I I always hear uh, motherhood being referred to as a portal that motherhood is a portal that changes you as a human and one of the reasons why that's true it's because of your identity so um yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I still struggle with this. Like I am somebody who has always defined myself as being a very high, being a very high achiever. So who am I, if I'm not being a high achiever, detaching from achievements and just being like, just being me, right? I, I, I think it takes therapy and yoga and a lot of different <laughs> things of just being, being detached and just being like who I am as a person is enough. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, I I thought I was hoping you'd give me advice because I struggle with this. <laughs> I think everybody I said, struggles with it. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I mean, for me, you know, when I decided to go off on my own and 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 be my own boss, I had to redefine what success meant mm -hmm. because as an overachiever who can easily become a workaholic or has been, you know, it's and whatever. Um, I had to redefine what success meant. And yeah. I think that's sort of the moment, you know, without teasing too much of, of season two, that's sort of the moment that Roy's in is like, well, I can't measure success the same way anymore. And yeah. that's okay, but I can redefine it. Yeah, that's okay. I think that's a good way for us to end this too, is that know, know that if you struggle with that, you are not alone. Everybody. No. <laughs> Golly. I mean, if you don't struggle with that, we call us like we want to talk to you. How did <laughs> Please. you get there? Help like, us. How, are, how just okay with like being a person and existing like all you all the monks out there like let us know we'll bring you on the show like I yeah we're still trying to figure it out but like what yeah like how do you how do you help yourself like get to that point where you're not your job you're not you know, the best mom in the world, you are just you. And, and that is enough. Because hey, by the way, it, it, it is enough. I have not internalized it myself. But for you that is listening, I want you to know that you are enough just exactly who you are right now. If you need to hear that from somebody else today. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for episode nine. And next time it's going to be our not final episode forever, but the final Ted Lasso episode. So you've hung in there with us as we've unpacked nine out of 10 episodes. We wrap up season one of Ted Lasso next time. Looking forward to seeing you. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we want to keep the conversation going. Share your leadership stories with us, whether they're dreams come true or some nightmares you want to talk through. You can visit us at poponleadership.com or over at Instagram at poponleadership. And a very special thanks to our friends and family who have supported us from the beginning and to Pam Rodriguez, who helped make this crazy dream a reality. Thank you. See you next time.